I'm talking about three things, but I'll say one thing for Shabbos. This is a um, beautiful medrash, medrash Rabbah, based on the Pasuk, which the Kodesh Baruch tells Moshe, V'yatah ha-kreve lachas ar-nechicha. Okay? Um, again, most of the parsha is, is very technical, and that's why Chazal spent a lot of time after on this Pasuk. Let me find it here. It's in Lamed Zayin Chedek Dalet, or more, the Mishnah Dalet in Medrash Rabbah. Davar Acher. So whoever taught this Mishnah, started off there in this Medrash, said, You know, Kofiotas is the reservoir of nice, easy psukim. There are 176 psukim, eight for each letter of the Aleph base. There's nice psukim of, uh, if there's one parak in Tilim, you should be conversant in this parak. I mean, not know about that, but the psukim should be familiar. It's because each psukim is, is five, six words. You don't have to get into the, some psukim in Tilim, hard to understand what the words mean, and what this David wrote, and much more. Clear and straightforward. Later, Rosh Hashashuai, Azavad Tivani. Tavar Melech says in Tehillim Kufiyates Lamed, without the ability to enjoy and luxuriate in your Torah, Azavad Tivani, I'd be lost in my own destitution. So this is a pasuk which obviously conjures up the joy of Torah, the simcha of Torah, Shashuai. It's a plaything, and part of the long, long, long debate from time immemorial: How should we relate to Torah? On the one hand, there has to be reverence and fear, and it's the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it's Eishachar Levana, and it's beyond our world. And the Rav felt that a Birchas is a Birchas Basically, he felt that just like I don't own water, and if I drink water without a bracha, it's goes as HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem Haaretzim only after I make a bracha, Kan Lefnei Bracha, Kan Leach Bracha, Haaretzim Lefnei Adam. Same thing with Torah, the Rav claimed, Birchas is a Birchas What right do I have to study HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah Without making a bracha, without first requiring acquiring authorization and and, and, and the ability and the rishos and, and licensing it from a kaddish baruch and I, I told you, I think I told you this a long time ago, like about twenty five years ago. I forget who it was. I think it was Avaron, whoever. They asked me to like draw up a rule book for behavior in the base matters. Like we were just starting to have an American program. In Nineteen ninety five, we started the American program. Until then, like it was Israeli, everyone did whatever they wanted. So we we're trying to draw up a rule book for the base matters and. Like what is appropriate in the base marriage? What's not appropriate in the base marriage? And it's clothing, and it's food, and it's music, and it's non-Jewish books, and whatever. And one of the things that I found myself walking a tightrope or trying to calibrate is, on the one hand, and we desperately want the base marriage to be a comfortable place that you want to be in, and that you're in as long as possible, and not only for learning every single minute and, and, and crying tears of Tyra. And the longer you're in the base marriage, the more that you feel that it's your bias. A, you'll be there longer, you won't fear coming in, and so you'll be more holistic. The Torah that you learn in a place you're comfortable. On the other hand, at what point does Kavad Torah suffer and Torah just becomes something you're studying in a library? And every yeshiva has to make that balancing act, and too much reverence takes the human element out, and too much reverence you feel like it's not you in the base matters, you're just coming in and out. This is, oh, this is my base matters face, and this is my base matters persona, and then it's very easy to have a different persona outside of the base matters, and what you have in the base matters doesn't really stick. And the goal of integration is to make everything stick, and everything stick to your personality. But are you diminishing Kavanah Torah? I think it's the same thing with Rebbeim. Rebbeim tells big, big transformation was he felt Rebbeim were too distant. Too distant from the Talmudim. Hats and jackets and sitting up front and Rabbi this and third person. And he wanted to just bring things down a little bit and calm it down and more low-keyed and just sit with the boys and don't be, don't stand out and don't dress rabbinic again, which is in a certain way that's appropriate, but you have to dress, and there's not a dress for a bunim. And in that process, a lot has improved, and, and Tamidim feel more comfortable with Torah. I think, by and large, 
and, and it affected our general society. It affected our general world. But what part of Kavadah Torah have we lost? And other worlds and other cultures, sometimes the reverence that's shown to Kavadah Torah and the way that people treat Rabbanim, it's not about the rabbis. I mean, rabbi, any rabbi worth his oath could care less about Kavadah. And that's, I told you, it's normally the litmus to find a proper rabbi who doesn't care about his Kavadah. So they drown it out. They know that there are people showing them Kavadah. Believe me, I, I haven't interviewed them, haven't been their psychologists, but real Rabbanim could care less about the Kavod. It's about you showing Kavod and you having that conditioning to reach a Kaddish Baruch Hu for human symbols and human reference points. So it's a really important question, and this Pasuk shades us to Shashuai. David says, it's all right to have joy in Torah. It's all right to enjoy Torah. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Ketos in his famous introduction, defending the Simcha and Torah, quotes Sukkim like this. That's the primary purpose of this Pasuk. However, in this Medrash, Pasuk serves a different purpose, and it's such an important. I, I, I so hope I can convey it to you and implant it in your heart. This is the medrash. Now it's all starting: the mishkan, the grandeur, the excitement, the pizzazz. Everyone's coming in. Take Aaron. Moshe says, "Hello, about me. I've been up in Arsinai for forty days. Three times. I haven't drank. Look, I'm filling in the words." Moshe's face goes a little sullen. Amar lo tarahi sili. So Hashem says, I'll read the Medrash again. Listen to these words. Hey, Rallo. Hey, Rallo. Moshe was a little bit distraught. He thought he deserved it. He's a human being. Amar lo Hashem says, tarahi sili. Unisati alach. Sheilulehi ibadati olami. I gave you Torah. Without Torah, this world stops. Later, Azavadati is not David Amalek speaking about his relation to Torah, but paraphrasing Baruch. Can you get enough from that? And it's always available. And it's very private. But it's eternal, it's my will. And can you have that internal grasp of Torah? That no matter what happens around you, there's nothing more important and more filling than studying Hashem's word. Now, for some people, that message is, and therefore, I'm not going to do anything else. I don't know. I'm happy with that. If I could do that, I'd love it. Because what could be more important than a Blat Kemar? I would love that lifestyle. It's not the lifestyle Hashem evidently created for me. But if I could stop the world and climb off of the world, everything that I take care of could be taken care of by other people. I would love to just sit here and understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu better. But one thing I do fight for, I don't have that life, but I do fight for whatever happens around. It's, I want to say it's Narishkai because that's dismissive. But I have to get enough self-sufficient ratification and meaning just by being in a room by myself and learning Hashem's Torah. Even though no one's going to give me an award, my name isn't going to be splattered anywhere, and no one's going to notice. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is having a conversation with Moshe right at that border. See, I know Aaron's going to get all the attention, not that he wants it, but I know it's going to be excitement and euphoria and celebration and people coming and going and tourists and tumult. A lot of things happening. And you're not going to be the one managing or exposed to that. You, I gave him my Torah. And can that be enough for you? I desperately pray that throughout your life, each in their own way, Torah becomes enough for you. It doesn't mean that you're going to learn Torah all day. Everyone's going to have their own. But if you're able to say, Torah is enough for me, my Avodah Hashem is enough for me, 
My internal space is enough for me. My self-esteem is enough for me. I don't need public approval. I talked about the other night. What I need, I have. And I have it through my Avodah Hashem and the way it affects my persona. Everything else I get, I don't get. I do like, I don't like. I will be involved, I won't. Your life will be, here's the word. Try to think about it. Because I think about it a lot. Grounded. Grounded. A lot of people aren't grounded. They're chasers. Chasing this, chasing that, chasing this organization, chasing that leadership role, chasing this goal, chasing this student, chasing that. Of course, you become a chaser because you want to do good things in this world. And you ground yourself. Let me tell you the two things that ground me. I like to make it personal, and then you can think about how to build grounding. The first happened when I was your age. The second happened about 10 years later. So the first you can hopefully identify with. The second, maybe one day it will happen to you, maybe it won't. I found Rav Lichtenstein incredibly grounding. I remember the moment I thought of it, but it happened, it was two years of being grounded. I would walk into a Shabbos, this Shabbos will be probably very nice because the weather's nice, but we had some rough Shabbos. I don't know, I don't know weather patterns, but the weather was rough when I was around the Shabbos. The yeshiva wasn't that wealthy, we ate pretty bad food. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what we ate, I want to sound like, oh, you guys have it so good, but let's just say, it was nowhere near the food you were eating. And let's just say that the Chedar didn't have heat, which it didn't. And let's just say that the Chedar was a little drippy when it was raining, which it did. So I'd walk into the Chedar on one of these Parsha Shmo Shabbos, in the dead of the winter, and here's Rav Aaron Lichtenstein. This, he was supposed to be the successor of Isela Bechik. He was supposed to be the God of Lador. You would have been in Wa'yu, and I asked myself, here he is sitting in a creaky, old, wet, damp, dark, cold Shabbos in Yeshiva, eating you know, rice and potatoes. And he'd be in America, he'd be the, this shul being celebrated and writing and lectures and big tumult around him. And just like, just didn't care. It was so internal. He was grounded. What's important to you? What's not important to you? And what's important to you, he found here. And so having that decision, what's important, what's not important, shouldn't make you a pacifist. Shouldn't make you, I'm not going to try to aspire and have ambition and, and create and change. For sure you want to have those, oh, did I not, uh, for sure you want to have those ambitions and those changes. But, it's grounding. It's grounding. What's, what do you want? What do you need? Everything you need shouldn't be a want in life. You have wants, but you also have needs. And try to distinguish between wants and needs. The second moment for grounding community is when I was 27. Here I'm a 27-year-old young, young rabbi. And basically, after spending a few years in America being a rabbi, without going into details, I had whatever offers a rabbi could dream of. Let's just say as a 27-year-old, my future in America was... Very, very clearly laid out for me. It was very clear. I would do this. I'm not interested in describing them, but you couldn't script a better job profile for a 27 year old rabbi in terms of the offers that I had. And I knew that this was my moment to make Aliyah. This isn't a pro Aliyah speech. This is just an existential speech about how you go through life because there's not Aliyah, it's something else. And when I made Aliyah, I had nothing. I, wasn't, I didn't make Aliyah to the Gush as a Rebbe. I made Aliyah to the Kola. A little trivia fact. I only had one job interview the year before my Aliyah, and it was in Shalavim. I knew some people in Shalavim. I went to the Rebbe there. I stayed the day there, had some lunch. I still remember it in my mind. I didn't get the job. What can I say? Okay. So I had to teach in Gush. Anyway, whatever. I came to Gush. I didn't have a job as a Rebbe. Whatever. There was stocked up. Gush didn't have an American program. It wasn't. I came to learn the Kolo. How did I make money? Now we're here, now we're there. Nishmat, Matan, Jerdakot, like, you know, juggling like everyone else. And I knew it going in. And I told myself, you have to be prepared to make Aliyah with a full heart, knowing there's a possibility you'll never have a successful career. 
But living in Israel and raising your kids in the Derech should be enough for you. And living your life in Eretz Yisrael with Derech If you're not able to do that, then it's incredibly grounded. I never forget that moment, because that's, that's a real decision I made. Hashem worked out, Hashem gave me satisfaction career-wise. I don't think it's as glorious as it could have been elsewhere, but I always go back to that moment, that I was prepared to focus on the important stuff, which were internal to me, not everything else, which are accomplishments that come and go. And whatever accomplishments that come and go, okay, not happy, but what's really me is that grounding moment. Myself, my family, my Torah, my Yerushalayim. If that's intact, and that more or less is in my control, then my life has to be justified. More successful, less successful, bigger rabbi, less rabbi, more books, less books. Okay, I'm happy it happens. I'm trying hard. You know, I'm a pretty ambitious person. I just want you to be grounded. Grounded in yourself, grounded in your Hashemayim, grounded in your Talmud Torah, without the flashiness of that. You guys are going to accomplish great things in this world, I promise you. And if you dedicate yourself to accomplishing them within the world of Torah and Yiddish Guide and Am Yisrael, you guys will fly. There's enough talent in this room to create an atom bomb, believe me. But just, I just want to make sure you become internalist. You know, that it's here and stay within yourself and live within yourself and be proud within yourself and then go out because otherwise you'll be a pale shadow of yourself. You'll just be a monkey chasing nickels rather than who you are, your life, and then change the world. But don't let it get to you. Don't let it consume you. Don't let it become your identity. Be you, your authentic self, and be happy just sitting at home learning a black Gemara, or for that matter, just because I don't want this to only be about Talmud Torah, or for that matter, just sitting at home and having a glass of tea talking to your wife. Even though you could be out in, you know, the base Knesset Sagadol of Portugal or something, giving shirt to thousands of Portuguese or something. Now, go give the shirt to thousands of Portuguese, which is not that you could be equally happy just sitting on a park bench and having a Masil Sharm open, or sitting on a park bench just having a conversation with your wife, because it's the reductive parts of life where meaning lies. And I hear this in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's conversation with Moshe. Moshe gets, has this one moment, it's a very human moment, right? It's a very vulnerable moment. Again, Moshe's not upset that he's not going to the Super Bowl. He's upset that he doesn't not become the Kohen Gadol. So it's legitimate. But Hashem doesn't really reprimand him, but corrects him. He says, Moshe, I gave you the tar. I gave you the tar. I gave you everything. Don't start searching for things. You have it. Don't search. If it comes, it comes. But you have it. Okay, Shabbat Shalom everyone. See you on Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom.